Happy TGIFF edition of Texans All Access. Yes, thank God it's a Football Friday edition of Texans All Access. I mean, it's always a football edition. It's just now it's Friday. So we had an extra F in there. Appreciate you being with me, John Harris, Football Analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. Man, do we have a loaded show today. We got D'Amico. We got D'Amico reloaded. We've got Juice Scruggs. Got a little cutlet with Devin Singletary. We got safeties coach Steven Agadoke. We have got Charles Davis, who's going to be calling the game for CBS with us. Who's going to join Drew after a little bit. You talk about an awesome human being. Charles Davis is definitely that. So, I think we got plenty in the holster for you. Got my keys and my predictions. But we kick off every show with D'Amico Ryans. He sat down. With Mark Vandermeer, he was all ball ready for this one. Coach, I know every week is different, but you ran the ball well last week. Is there anything you can take with you from that performance into this game against the Browns? I really want to continue to build off what our O-line did last week. thought they did a really nice job of hat placement, targeting, and really displacing the defensive line. So I really want to do that this week as well. This team, they're attacking front. Uh, if we're on guys and we we can get some lanes on this team, right? If we're in the right spot and motors continue to run the ball well, so we really want to get right back to that again this week. I know you've answered 47 questions about Miles Garrett already, <laughs> but what about the rest of the front? What makes them so good, Coach? Yeah, the front is good because they, they play as one, right? They're, like I said, they're, they're attacking. They're aggressive up front, and that's what makes them good. They're aggressive. Uh, linebackers, they're aggressive man cover team. So when you have such an ultra aggressive team, like it, that front is tough, yeah. right? And guys are going to feel space very quickly. So when you do get a lane, knowing that it may close quickly, you got to hit it with speed. What makes it tough to throw on them? Is it the pass rush or the secondary or both, really? Yeah, it's both tied together, right? With that attacking front, right, they're going to get pressure on the quarterback quicker. And now they play tighter coverage. So with our routes, like, we have to be precise on our routes. Receivers have to attack edges. They have to win with their feet at the top of the route. We can beat these guys in man coverage, but it's going to be a great deal of precision by the receivers of being on it. And the quarterback sometimes having to, having to let it go a little bit early. I know you have a decade and a half of tape on Joe Flacco, some of it involving you personally, but are you really focused on 2023 Flacco as far as studying the Browns and what they might do? Yeah, definitely focused on the 2023 uh, Joe Flacco in these past three games and what he's done. You've seen you know, they've continued to give him a little bit more as he's progressed throughout these past three games, and yeah, he's done a really good job of, of managing that team and getting them in a good spot, right? But we still want to be able to be – aggressive get after him right put pressure on him right make him feel that pressure from our front four defense alignment and also from our secondary right we want to be aggressive in this game and I think that will change the game for us they lost Chubb a long time ago but they still run the ball pretty well yeah they've done a really good job you talk this is one of the one of the best schemes in the league and you talk about how well coached they are it really Mm -hmm. jumps off the tape like the coaching with the offensive line the schemes each game plan of how they attack a defense they really know what they're doing. So they're going to know our weaknesses. They're going to mm-hmm. know like where to attack us. Now, we have to combat that with playing fast, playing physical, knocking those guys back and making plays on their side of the line of scrimmage. I notice you practice in the stadium a lot on Fridays, particularly for home games. Does that help with the kicking game and getting used to the lights and being back at NRG Stadium, that sort hey, of thing? It starts with the kicking game, making sure Emi, all right, making sure Cam, making sure they're they're comfortable right mm-hmm. in that spot. And also just – for our offense, I like practicing indoors because I want them to get used to 
scoring touchdowns, getting yeah. in the end zone okay. in our stadium and feeling what that feels like over and over and over again and just take something off of the guys. I think everybody has a really good vibe when we go inside on Fridays. Coach, thanks a lot. Merry right. Christmas and good luck. Merry Christmas. Great stuff as always from D'Amico Ryans and Mark Vandermeer. Mark is going to stick around with me next because we got to catch up with safety's coach, Stephen Adagoke, who is absolutely fantastic. You want to hear from a future head coach? Well, gear up. Here's coach Adagoke, who is absolutely fantastic. Here with us in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, it's safety's coach, Stephen Adagoke. Coach, how's it going? Great. How are you doing? Great to have you on once more. Yes, sir. So now you're a veteran of the program. This is good <laughs> yeah. stuff. Very second, nice second stuff. Time charm. Yeah. Right, for, <laughs> second time's a charm. That's right. So you've coached 72 safeties this year. No, there's been a lot of action, a lot of different guys in and out of the lineup. How difficult is it to keep it all straight with the assignments, everything these players have to know to be effective, Coach? I think day in and day out, there's always challenges in, in football um, with strategy, uh, different schemes, different things like that as far as game planning. I've uh, been blessed. Every guy that stepped foot in that room, stepped foot in this building, has been committed to this defense and to this team. So going through the learning process and going through the adjustments every day is, hasn't been too difficult. Like It starts with the player's commitment. Um, they've committed to making the changes, making the adjustments. And so I feel like I have the easiest part, just presenting the information. They go out there and execute. So it's a, uh, it's been 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 good having those guys coach the one constant for the most part of them missing a few games at the beginning uh with a lung issue is Jalen Petrie what have you seen in the growth of Jalen Petrie in his year two uh Jalen's definitely grown a lot starting from last year to OTAs to training camp from leaving game one and then coming back um the home game against Pitt I'm a lot of growth a lot of development as a player as a man um and I'm really really happy to be around him all right, let's talk about Adrian Amos because he comes over, he was a New York Jet, and he's able to play for it. He has to play. You know, yeah. Jimmy goes out, he comes in. What about that adjustment coming from another team, getting used to a system? We just talked about it in general, but him specifically, Coach. Uh, it's it's been, Man, it's been fun. Like Being around those guys, first of all, played a lot of football. Him, DeAndre Houston Carson, mm-hmm. who played his first week against the Colts, right? Yeah. yeah. Him yeah. and Amos actually were teammates in Chicago as well, like – Happened with DAC the first, then Amos came in and played his first week. And having those guys who have been familiar with each other, that helped me a lot. Like, you know, even like late night, man, they don't feel like hitting up a coach and they talk to each other. You know what I mean? So it's been it's been great having those guys. And uh, Amos was able to pick it up and get in their first game and go in there and help us. Coach, when you have new players like that, they're vets. They've been around. They've seen some things. Mm-hmm. What's the main thing that you want to get across to them to be able to go out and feel confident that you feel confident that, okay, they're not going to blow coverages. They're going to be in the right spot. They're going to know what to do when we call this defense. How do you, what do you give to them? I know there's a ton you could give to them on the buffet, but what do you want them to know as they go into the game or have to get ready for a game? And they've only been here for a week or two for veteran players in particular, every scheme is not the same across the league. You could have, one coach your entire career before you made your second stop. You could have had uh, maybe five, six different different schemes. But, like, for the most part, most people play, you know, a few different coverages, and there's some familiarity, yep. even though it's different terms. So sometimes it's only um, as simple as just translating the language. Gotcha. And so you tell these guys, okay, these are the expectations. This is the integrity of the coverage. And now how you get to that point, you can use some of your wisdom and use some of your experience to help you. Yep. 
Steven Adagoke, safeties coach, joining us. All right, so we see out there in the practice field doing some stuff with the safeties <laughs> alone. What is it like in the building? What's the rest of the day like? Because we know position groups break out in your meeting rooms. Do you break out with the corners? I know there's a defensive meeting from time to time. How do you handle all that, Coach? Uh, we spend a lot of time together with the corners and nickels, and then when it's time to split up and work some things individually, we do that. But uh, Corey Unlin and Dino Vasso do a great job. When we are together, we all share information. We all get these guys coached up and make sure they're all on the same page. There's no ego. There's no anything involved. So, like, whatever is the best for the players to put them, put them in position to be successful is what we're going to do, no matter who's presenting information or who's teaching it. How much of the assignment is, hey, do this fundamental basic scheme versus watch out for that receiver because he likes to go across the middle or whatever they like to do individually because different skill sets present themselves week to week, right? Yeah, each team, every offense that we face is different. There are teams that have like, you know, you're on third down and there's a scheme play, a scheme for somebody in this position and then there's other times there's a talent play where, hey, we're going to the most talented guy on the field. And yeah. so, like, it doesn't matter how many guys are over there covering somebody, that ball's going there, mm-hmm. you know. And so wisdom with veteran guys, it'll tell you that, like, hey, you know, I'm not going to use names, but just any team, like, hey, that ball's going there. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. you know, your assignment is to maybe have your eyes somewhere, mm-hmm. but you can have some awareness of where another established player is in the game. And you Last know, week, for example? <laughs> just <laughs> – just using, I guess, you know, I don't want to say common sense is always common, but, yeah. you know, football, awareness and instincts is everything. And when you get kind of a read on a guy like Joe Flacco the last few weeks, he seemingly likes number 85, David Njoku. Harrison Bryant's very good. Those are assignments that your guys might have to come up with. What do you see in the Browns, especially those two tight ends, Coach? I think their tight end room is excellent. Uh, Bryant and Njoku, both talented players. And they also have a slew of receivers, like talented receivers, not yeah. just okay. Like Amari Cooper yeah. is a real dude. Elijah Moore is a real dude. Those guys are talented. I don't know what the numbers are on the year and statistically what they say. That is a very, very talented team, you know, and you can't take them lightly. If a quarterback gives gifts for the holidays to an offensive line, does a safety mm-hmm. give a gift to the D line or the front seven? Because if those guys get the pressure on the quarterback, that makes the safety's job a lot better, right? You have to. You can't get interceptions if there's no pass. <laughs> so yeah. if they take the quarterback down, you won't have a lot of stats, which is probably a good oh, thing. Oh, I see. But the pressures are good, no too. No question. The disruptions. Yeah. Yes, sir. So always got to take care of the big guys. The, guy, the game is, de- is decided in the trenches, whether you're – uh, DB coach, safety coach, receiver coach. You love skill guys, but you understand that game is decided up front. So in Secret Santa, who'd you draw this year? I'm assuming <laughs> the coaches have got to have one. Did you draw one? I did. I will leave that player unnamed. <laughs> okay. He'll get his gift next week. <laughs> He'll get his gift next week. Gift enough will be a win on Sunday against the Browns. Coach, When I know it's on the offensive side of the ball, but when the defense – sees what Case is doing in the second half in particular and knowing it's not CJ. Is that giving the is that giving the defense a lift like, hey man, this guy's this guy's balling out for us. It's not CJ numbers, but he's making the plays. He's throwing dots to Noah Brown in the end zone. Is that is the defense feeding off of what he's doing out on the field, what the offense is doing with him in charge? I think just day to day, each player feeds off feeds off each other not just mm-hmm. the quarterbacks, yeah. and even more so in the game when the quarterback starts making plays. I mean, it just lights up the whole stadium, right. yeah. you know? And so I think, like, there's a lot of confidence in everybody in that room, you know, whether it's 7, 10, 18. Yeah. Like, all of those guys are talented, 
and they've shown that they can make plays at this level. Steven Adagoke, safeties coach, joining us. A couple more for you, Coach. You played at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. So what would it be like for you today with the transfer portal and NIL and all oh, that man. stuff? <laughs> would that be weird? Because there are, so, what, 1,200 players in the portal right now? Something like 20% of all rosters? It's some ridiculous amount. That's tough. I'm glad I don't have to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> what about coaching at college? Have that's, to deal with that. That's tough. <laughs> that is tough. I mean, I would think coaching in college is such a 24-7, 365 adventure. Whereas in the NFL, when the season ends, you do have that off-season time. You're watching film again for the draft and free agency and things like that. But it just feels like 24-7, 365. It's recruiting. It's portal. It's NIL. It's collectives. It's all that's going on in college. It, it is for sure. And I'd say that the off-season in college, you can't really say there is one necessarily because right. depending on the team and the program – some teams start their winter lifts maybe three weeks after their bowl game in right. January, like January mm-hmm. 1st and December mm-hmm. 31st. Like three weeks later, they're starting off-season lifts. And well, after that, you start spring ball. Yep. And your spring practices and you're hosting recruits on those Saturdays at your spring games and your Saturday scrimmages all through up until May. And then you go on the road recruiting. And then in summer is your biggest evaluation period for the camps. So you don't have an off-season. Nah. Never stops. Never no, but stops. It, but, but football is fun. You know, yeah. no matter where you're at, yeah, you're, no always, you're always blessed to be in that position to help lead and craft and help young men, and they help you as well. Yep. You know, same thing, high school. You know, I think high school football is awesome, especially in Texas. Absolutely. Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. That is absolutely fantastic stuff. Steven Adagoke, the safeties coach for your Houston Texans. Now, it's time for Drew Dory to jump in, and he chats with Drew Scruggs. How do you get that name, Juice? Well, we'll find out about all of that a little bit later. We got a little dirt, uh, Juice Dozen with Juice a little bit later in the show. But right now, it's all ball. Talking about this one on Sunday against Juice Scruggs, left guard, joins us now, taking on the Cleveland Browns. This, I imagine, for you has got to be an interesting matchup. You born and grew up for most of your life in Ashtabula, Ohio, which is almost equidistant between Cleveland and Erie, and Erie yeah. over in Pennsylvania. How special is this going to be for you playing against kind of the hometown team, sort yeah, of? it's crazy, to be honest with you. Uh, just growing up watching the Browns and Steelers rivalry and now being able to go out there and face the Browns, it's, it's kind of surreal, but I'm definitely ready. In the run-up to this game, have you heard a little bit more from family, friends back home <laughs> about it? No, nah, no. Nah, uh, it's been, you know, the usual. But definitely come Sunday after the game, uh, my phone's probably going to be going crazy. No doubt. We're going to get into the game matchup in just a moment, but how's the season progressing for you? You kind of come in midway through and progressing the way you'd like? Definitely some things I need to clean up and always things to work on. But, yeah, like you said, coming back midseason, just trying to get back in the groove of things. And, you know, I was a sad center, and then I come back and I got to go left guard, trying to get in the flow and in the rhythm and be on the same page with the guys. How tricky has that been? I mean, in college, you played out at tackle. You played all over the line. Yeah. You, you've done it before at a different level, but what's it been like doing it at this level, playing uh, two different spots? It, yeah, it's definitely different. It's challenging for mm-hmm. sure. But whatever, I think I could do whatever if I just put my mind to it, and we're doing it. Hey, Devin Singletary gets 121 yards on the ground last week. How much pride do you guys as an offensive line take in that performance by him? Oh, no, definitely. It's definitely shout-out to Motor. He's running his tail off all year. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that just shows what we've been doing. 
credit to us, but it's definitely him too. I'm not going to take all that credit, but it's definitely him too. His vision and the way he's running the ball right now is phenomenal. Well, the modesty on both sides is uh, pretty high because you guys give him the credit, he gives you guys all the credit, so it's it's a nice little it's team work. there. It team is, work. nice teamwork. So in general, how do you guys keep that type of performance going? You're not always going to get 120 yards right. from back, but how do you stay successful in the run game as, as an offensive line? Oh, uh, yeah, just keep attacking. Just keep focusing on the run game and making sure that we come out and be physical and be dominant. And if you physical dominant and you take care of the uh, little assignments, little details, you have 120 yards. Defensive end, Miles Garrett, understandably gets the lion's share of the attention, but that's a really, really good defense at all levels there for Cleveland. Tell Absolutely. me about the defensive front, though, mainly the guys on the interior that you're going to match up with and, and have to block. How impressive are they, and what are the challenges there? Yeah, no, I would say the whole defense, like you said, has been looking good, especially the front. We have a big challenge, all pro Miles Garrett. But Smith on the other side is amazing. Thomason and inside, he's looking very stout. And so, like, it's just guys all over. 95 is the main one, but you can't sleep on everybody else because they all play their role and do their job well. So we just got to come out ready and just play our game. As an offense, how, do you, how much do you guys look forward to being at home? Oh, man, it's, it's lovely. Just coming home, playing the NRG, it's amazing. Having the fans here, I'm just ready to go out there, give them a show. I know you're gunning for a win on Sunday. What do you want Santa to bring you the next day, though, on Christmas morning? What are you hoping for? <laughs> I don't really want too much. Anything, I just want some emblems for my truck. Okay, so it's still the truck yeah, upgrade stuff the truck, like last yeah, week. Okay. Yep, yep. Didn't know if anything had changed and you were going to. Uh, yep, I just wanted stuff in my truck, man. Rookie Juice Scruggs, we really do appreciate the time. Best of luck against the Browns. Best of luck these final two and hopefully on into the playoffs. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All right, great stuff there. Steven Agadoke. D'Amico Ryans and Juice Scruggs. That's a great way to start off the first segment. But it's not complete. It's not complete. There's more. It's like Ron Papil. There's more. <laughs> the voice of the Texans joins me. Mark Vanderbilt. Mark, first of all, good evening. How are you? Johnny, good evening. Merry Christmas. What a great weekend for yeah. everybody. We've got a home game on Christmas Eve. We've done this before. And two great results. Is first the last one Christmas Eve... 2016 Bengals? Yes, it is. That's the, the last one. I actually had a little domestic dispute on this. Really? Yeah, on Christmas Eve games because you got home at 3 in the morning from a Christmas Eve game on the road. I'm like, no, nah, I didn't get home at 3 in the morning. It was at home. It was 2016. It was against the Bengals. Randy Bullock missed a field goal. We right. won the division. I got home around, I don't know, 1130 right, because right, we were doing right. our post-game stuff. Right. And then I had to put stuff together, okay? Put together an air hockey yep. table. Earmuffed kids put together a bunch of other stuff. I was up till three in the morning. I mean, you had to they help weren't. Santa do it, basically. You yeah, had to help him. Santa, you had to be his helper. Santa needs assistance. Yeah, he needs assistance at times. Way. I That's still can't one, figure him out. Like, I know. How does he come down the chimney? By the way, I'm working on references for the game. Uh -huh. Dashing through the line. Yes. Uh, yes. Very he, good. He plugged. He went through that he hole. Like, his bells. Oh, that, well, we don't want to see any of that, do we? <laughs> I don't think so. He went no. through the line faster than Santa comes down the chimney. <laughs> That's pretty good. Or something like that. That's I, pretty I, good. I got to have a few others. He he got his toes in bounds like, like Rudolph landing on a rooftop. That's pretty good. Like that. 2016 against the Bengals is one of my favorite games of all time because of what, what you just said. We Remember that day started out. When the day started out, it was going to be week 17 matchup in Nashville, Titans 
the Texans because the Jags were kind of sorry and they were going to play the Titans earlier in the day. Yeah. Then we were playing the afternoon game-ish, four or five, whatever time we started the game. And then, of course, you know, whatever happens, happens. But we figured, okay, look, the Jags had just fired their coach. Doug Marone was the interim coach. And they're just, you know, the Titans are going to do whatever they want. And they put it to the Titans. Now, remember, it was Christmas Eve. So my wife and I are, she's got the TV on in the kitchen. She's watching it there. I'm watching the living room. So I'm cleaning the living room. She's cleaning the kitchen. And she's like, oh, did you see this? Did you see that? So we're kind of living through like, oh, my God, this game tonight is about to be for the AFC South. Yeah. And so we then play the game and we don't play exceptionally well. But we have the one drive of four plays. I remember a fuller catch another throw, uh, a hop catch, and then an Alfred Blue touchdown yeah. run. Yeah. But then it comes down to Randy Bullock pushing it over my head, outside the sticks. We win the game. It's unbelievable. We've won the division. The locker room is going crazy. Nobody thought we could do it in 16, um, you know, after a while because Brock wasn't playing exceptionally well. It was just – it was a tough season. But we get the win that night. We go to 9-6. and six, And I just remember the same sort of thing, Mark. I got home – and pretty much everything was done. Santa had already been there. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning, and I am just wired from the game. Yeah. NFL Network puts the game on. And you watch the rest of I'll it. I'll never forget it. We had the fireplace on. The Christmas tree was on. My wife is falling asleep on the couch next to me. And I'm just sitting there watching the game till like 2.30 in the morning, knowing everything was going to happen, yeah. knew everything. But it's fun to but watch it again. It was incredible. When you win, when you win it's when fun you win. to watch again. When you win, it is fun to look back. But you know what? That game, and sometimes, look, confession time. This is like Landry and Lopez. Lunchtime confessions. <laughs> I sometimes get Texans goggles with certain things. Sure. I got Christmas Texans goggles that night. Yeah, because. Yeah. That night in my mind, that was a tremendous win. It was 12 to 10. It was 12, 12 to 10, yes. And Very Tom Savage, so. I was thinking, Tom Savage is our guy. He didn't really play that no. great that night. He no. played pretty well against Jacksonville off the bench, mm-hmm. kind of rallied the team, down 14 nothing. Yep. got the win. That was cool, battle red day. But then you had the Bengals game, and it wasn't so great. No. Alfred Blue played well enough, but I wasn't upset because you got the victory. Right. Randy missed a kick. Right. Win the division. Okay, go. And then he gets the concussion against the Titans in a meaningless game, so to speak, uh, with the quarterback sneak situation. We've talked about that before. So that team, look, that team at the number one defense in the NFL. Yep. And they hung with the Patriots in the divisional round after beating the Oakland Raiders in the wild card round. But the rest is history. Here you have a Christmas Eve game. By the way, the one other game that I'm thinking of specifically here is the first time you ever beat the Colts. That was Christmas Eve. That was Christmas Eve. That was Christmas Mm -hmm. Eve when Chris Brown nailed the field goal to beat Indianapolis, and it was a beautiful thing. But now you've got Christmas Eve against the Cleveland Browns, and who would have thunk it a year ago? You've talked about this. I've talked about this. The Browns are 4-7 and going into that game last year. The Texans were 1-9-1. And And now look at both teams. And here we go, Johnny. It's a huge matchup. It's interesting. There are a couple of things that stood out to me. Number one, this is the third consecutive year we've played the Browns. Both teams for the third consecutive year are starting a different starting quarterback. It's the fourth consecutive year. You played them in 2020 up there. We did? No. Yeah. Oh, we did. That's right yeah. in that monsoon. Well, the last yeah. three consecutive years, it's been six different starting quarterbacks, three on each side, regardless Dang. of whether Case or Davis starts yeah. or whatever. Yeah. 
it's a different quarterback because it's not Kyle Allen because Kyle Allen was the starting quarterback last year. I bet you you could have gone forever and you would have not come up with that as Texas fans who started against the Browns last year. Here's the other two nuggets that stood out to me. The Browns are minus 39-point differential on the road. Yeah, that's big. Plus 59 at home. Yeah. This was another one that stood out. This is in the research guide that they sent out um, from the NFL. The Browns at home are plus a thousand yard differential. So they've had in seven home games, they've had a thousand more yards than their opponents. That's gigantic. A thousand in total over the, in seven games on the road, plus six yards. Yeah. Basically Look at their road even. games. Their road games are not good at all. It's unbelievable how yeah. different they are at home versus on the road. Here's another one. At home, in those games, they are plus 11 sack differential. They have 11 more sacks than their uh, opposing visiting teams have. Mm-hmm. On the road, minus 10. Home teams have 10 more sacks than the Browns do when the Browns visit. And they're banged that's up. unbelievable. And oh, by the way, the game's at home on Sunday. Yeah, it is at home, and that's important. And I'm wondering what kind of Texans team we get on Sunday here. Yeah. This is a real big challenge. Every week's a big challenge for D'Amico Ryans and company with all the injuries they've had, and mm-hmm. being who they are, coming out of the situation they were in, and what is the identity of the team. Look, every time you think you're about to shape it, a key injury happens here or there mm-hmm. or somewhere else. And now you're going without Will Anderson again. You're going without Stroud. Uh, obviously, you haven't had Tank Dell for a, a while now, it yep. feels like. And you're just going to have to figure out a way one more time. This is a lot like last week, but the home version. Yep. This is your home version of last <laughs> week's game. Yeah, it's not the Titans. And they're not wearing uniforms that bring up a lot of emotion. I don't think yep. the Browns do. But... If Watson was playing for them, I think that would bring up a different kind of emotion. But it's Joe Flacco, and you've beaten him before, and it's fun that D'Amico Ryans played against him and had some success against him as an actual player. Just wild stuff here. Both quarterbacks, 35-plus. The coach, the similar age as the opposing quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of different storylines here. But the most important thing is, Johnny, you've got to find a way to keep Miles Garrett out of that backfield. You did a good job against him last year. Got to find a way this year to do it. Hopefully, the Browns are all upset that they're on the road Christmas. They know that they can grab a playoff berth next week. Take the weekend off, Cleveland. Yeah, take it off uh, or just show up like you've been showing up on the road throughout this year. You know, the Broncos throttled them um, the last time they were on the road. I think that was the last road game they had. The Rams throttled them. Now, there were some mistakes at the end by the Browns, but you've got to be able to take advantage of every Joe Flacco mistake. And here's the thing about the Browns. You're talking about, you know, if Deshaun were playing, it'd be a different feeling. I like the story of Joe Flacco. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I kind of the off his couch and doing what he's doing now for the Browns. I like Miles Garrett. I've been, you know, working with Tex Act for a long time, and so I've followed his career. And I just think he's a really good dude. Minus one moment where he swung a helmet, where I have a feeling somebody said something derogatory about him. Yeah. But Miles Garrett is—he's a fantastic guy, and I like Miles Garrett. I just don't like seeing them walking in here on on Sunday. They're tough defensively. And here's the other thing. I told you this as we were watching the, the workout. Everybody's going to be talking about 95 and how good Miles is. Darius Smith, very good pass rusher, et cetera. Secondary goes into lockdown. They're a lot very similar to the, to the Jets in that way. But if we don't block 94, Dalvin Tomlinson, we can kiss our hopes of winning that game goodbye. 
we have to block that guy. He was dominant against the Bears mm. to the point where he took 300-pound men and tossed them, tossed them out of the way like it was like they were throw pillows. Just out of the way. I'm going to make this play. 94. So there's a lot you have to account for against this team. And so at some point, when you're down the names, you just said them, CJ, Will, Tank, uh, amongst others, Blake Cashman, you have to take advantage of every mistake. If you have your hands on a, a ball that could go for a pick six, you got to make that play. You know, if you've got your hands on a yeah. ball, on a fumble, yeah. down at the bottom, you can't let somebody take that away from you. And you have to play offensively with this smart aggression where you've got to be aggressive, but you've got to be smart about it, where you're not creating opportunities for the Browns going back the other way. And on a team that's on the road challenged, you can't make it easy for them. No, you can't, and you're right. You can't make these mistakes like the pick six. Can't do anything of that nature. Is it a high teens or low 20s game? I think it's low 20s. You do. I think it's low. You got to put up three touchdowns. Well, one of them's going to have to come on a short field I after think a so turnover. I, yep. Flacco's going to give it up. Look, he threw right. three picks last week. I know the Bears play D, but so do the Texans, mm -hmm. and the Texans can take the ball away. I think Stingley, Nelson, maybe Petrie, those guys, Ward, Jimmy coming back is That's big. Huge. Thank you because he missed most of that game last he week. So to have Jimmy back at practice was humongous. Yep. For this squad. So I want to see him make some plays. I like having Tier Tart here. We'll see what they do Ooh, with him. Barnett's yeah. been a nice addition. You know, with Very no much. will, you got to get those extra impact mm -hmm. guys. But you think about what they've added here when you look at a Barnett, when you look at a Tart. These are real NFL players who yep. can contribute on a playoff type team. So here they are in your rotation now. Make the most of those guys, but you can't screw it up on offense. And by screw it up, I mean give the ball yes. up. How did the Browns score against you last year? Remember? Pick six. Fumble recovery, mm. punt return. 21 oh points you gave no. up to them. Special teams, no. No, no, no. Should have won a game if you just didn't turn the ball over. Yeah. But you can't do that. And that was in the stretch of games toward the end of the year last year. Dallas could have, would have, should have. Yeah. Kansas City could have, would have, should have. And Tennessee did. Indianapolis did. I am I am most thankful at this time of the holidays where we give thanks and our love for fans. I'm just glad that. I'm glad that four is not playing in this one. I really am. I just, that would have added so much complexity to it. It's got enough complexity as it is. I don't think their record would be what it is. I think it would be I at agree. least one fewer victory. I agree with you. Uh, in, in that column. And who knows how it would be affecting them distraction wise. We've talked about that. But they are what they are, and you are what you are this week. Next week, it could be a very different team all over mm -hmm. again based on players returning. We'll see what happens then. But the mo most important thing is to knock off the Browns on Sunday. That is the NFL, and that is. Uh, what is expected on Sunday. Knock off the Browns any way possible. How will they do it? I'll give you my keys to the game next right here on Texans All Access. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Night Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, silent reporter. It's time for my keys to the game. I do these each and every Friday at this time. Now, before we get to my keys, it's key to know who's in and who's out. I think it's been talked about a lot today, I'm sure. But the injury report came out. There are three players out on the Texans side, four that are out on the Browns side. The three out for the Texans. Oh, boy. Will Anderson Jr., Blake Cashman, C.J. Stroud. Three of them out. Ooh, that's a lot. There are three that are limited. Oh, I'm sorry, questionable. My bad. Also limited at practice today. Malik Collins, 
Nico Collins, Denzel Perryman, all three questionable. Everybody else in, Noah Brown, George Fant, Brevin Jordan, Shaq Mason, Shaq Mason, John Mechie, Stephen Nelson, Larry Tunsil, Jimmy Ward coming off the concussion. That's great to see Jimmy back and ready to go. So, Will, Blake, CJ out. Malik and Nico, the Collins brothers, although not brothers. Denzel Perryman, those three questionable. God, that would sting to not have them in this game. Now, on the Browns side, it's not much better. Jordan Kunishik, linebacker, calf out. Oba Okoronkwo from Houston, former Texan, out with a peck. I think he's going to be done for the year, but they, they keep putting him not on IR yet, so we'll see. Juan Thornhill, starting safety, out. Anthony Walker Jr., starting linebacker, out. Now, Walker, Thornhill, Okoronkwo missed the game last week against the Bears. Brown's still able to win that game. Questionable, and this is a big one. Joel Batonio, back in knee issues. He's questionable. He played a bit of the Brown of the Bears game and then came out, didn't play from about mid-second quarter on. So that's definitely one to keep in mind. He is he's their heart and soul. I mean, he's their everything on the offensive line. They're already without Jedrick Wills and uh, Jack Conklin at both tackle spots. Then they replace Conklin with Dewan Jones, who's a rookie. They had a great year going. He's out for the year. So now they're on their third tackle. Um, and Jerron Christian is playing left tackle for Jedrick Wills. So the Browns don't have it easy either. And if Betonio's out, that could be – that's up to three. And I don't even want to say new starters because they're down even two and three starters at a particular spot. So, Joe Betonio is one to watch. Everybody else, Flacco, Ford, Miles Garrett, Nick Harris, Kareem Hunt, David Njoku, Ethan Posick. That's a big one. Getting him back is going to be big for them and Denzel Ward. They're all in. They were all full participants in practice as well. So, uh, we'll see how that situation goes for Joe Batonio. My guess is he's going to try and play and gut it out for as long as he can. So Texans got to make life rough on that interior, no question. So let's get to our keys and talk about this Browns offense first. It's led by Joe Flacco. Last three weeks, he has been crushing it, and he is the first key. The old gunslinger never dies. And the, what I'm getting at here is he's never been a guy that relied on his mobility Never been a guy that made a ton with his legs. Now, he can move around the pocket, and he can escape some danger. But the biggest thing about Joe Flacco is his ability to throw the football with ease to every part of the field. And if the Browns give him time and can do it with just five, so everybody gets out in a route, he's going to hurt the Texans and hurt them in a big way. They've got to get to him. They've got to make Joe pay. With backup tackles, they've got to force the Browns to use tight ends and running backs to block John Grenard, uh, Derek Barnett, and everybody else coming off the edge. They've got to be able to do that. All right, number two, David Njoku, one of the best tight ends in the league. The Browns put out a tweet earlier today highlighting his yak, his yardage after catch. He has been incredible. The Texans have to take that away. Now, the last two weeks – he has 16 catches for 195 yards and three touchdowns. Flacco likes him. He likes throwing to him. He likes Harrison Bryant, too. These two tight ends are magnificent. they got to make sure the coverage is solid. Having Jimmy Ward back is key for that. I just mentioned the offensive line. they got guys banged up. Ethan Posick should be in after the stinger that cost him the Bears game. Betonio is one to watch. But Jared Christian at one spot. 
uh, at one tackle spot. Could be a spot you could exploit. He played for the Texans uh, back in week four against the Steelers. All right, let's flip it over and talk about this defense. Oh, boy. First in the league in passing yards allowed, 159. Total offense allowed, only 261. They're 11th in the league in rushing. My gosh. Where does it start? It starts with Miles Garrett. 95, they can move him all over the place. He's unbelievable. you got to account for him in every single spot. But I told Mark today, 94, Dalvin Tomlinson. That guy is just as good as anybody the Texans have faced on the inside. If they let him wreck shop, it doesn't matter what Garrett does. they got to block 94 and 95 for sure. JOK, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. He's as versatile a linebacker as there is in the league. He is so difficult to account for because he's part safety, part linebacker, and he's everywhere. Number six, keep an eye on him. And these DBs are a lot like the Jets. They're extremely good. They will clutch and grab a little bit, not as much as the Jets, but they will throw blankets over these Texans receivers if the Texans receivers are not attacking the football, getting separation, catching the ball uh, away from their body and making plays. Those are your keys to the game. Coming up next, we're going to hear a little Drew's Dozen with Juice Scruggs and a little cutlet with Motor, Devin Singletary, next on Texans All Access. All right, let's go. It's a Friday edition of Texans All Access, less than 48 hours away from taking on the Cleveland Browns, and Cleveland matters for our next guest because, well, he grew up in Ohio. He grew up a Browns fan. That's Juice Scruggs. Let's jump in with a little Drew's Dozen with the rookie left guard with Drew Doherty. Let's go, Drew. Let's rank the five juices. Juice Scruggs, the movie Juice, the movie Beetlejuice, the song Gin and Juice, and Orange Juice. Where do they rank? Of course, me, number one. Good. I'm going to have to go the movie with Tupac, the juice. Okay. I've never seen Beetlejuice. So that's a little bit, you know, before my time. <laughs> so I'm going to put that last, and then I'm going to do orange juice, and then gin and juice. Gin and juice after that. So you drank juice instead of milk as a baby. What was the juice you were drinking back then? Uh, any type of juice. Any type of juice. I was probably, knowing me, it was probably Hawaiian Punch oh. mainly. But, yeah, it was any juice. Orange juice, apple juice, cranberry juice, whatever you think of. You got it. Fruit Punch is the way to go. I'm I love you. It. You have three brothers. Yeah. How would they describe you, and how accurate is that actually? So let's hear, what's the description, and then how, how true is that? So their description of me is probably a little different than what I would say, especially growing up. Right. The younger version, they'll probably say, cry baby, <laughs> annoying, all that, because I just wanted to be like them, always under, their, always under their wing and stuff. But now I think they'll say, decent young man, doing well for himself, and that they're proud of me. For I sure. got you. And how, so you're the youngest. Yeah. How, how much older are each of them from you? So my oldest brother is 10 years older than me. Yep. And then the other one is six and then five. Okay. So you were so really I'm young. right there. Yeah. 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 You were trying to catch up, man. <laughs> yeah. that, and that's a lot of catching up to do at that yeah, age. They didn't take it easy on me at all. <laughs> but you wouldn't have it any other way, I'll right? I'll tell you, it made me who I am today. I love sure. it. That's fantastic. Which animal, if it was going to be totally tame and you didn't have to worry about it going bananas and killing like 80 people. Which animal would you choose as your pet? It's funny you said this because me and my girlfriend talked and I told her this and she looked at me crazy. I said I'd love to have a tiger. Just like the uh, white tigers. Mm -hmm. Most beautiful thing ever, but I just don't want it to go crazy. Yeah, you know? like the Sacred but, and Roy tigers. Yeah, <laughs> but a tiger or a chimpanzee. Oh yeah, yeah, that'd yeah, be fun. Yeah. yeah. Chimpanzees, super strong. Super strong. Yep. And just... Obviously very smart. Yeah, very smart. And they're, they're like, they're so much like us. Mm -hmm. I think it would be cool just to have a monkey. 
I got you. So you don't have them as pets. Do you have any pets right now? I have a cat. Really? I have a cat. My girlfriend got a cat when we were in college. Uh-huh. And he became my cat. <laughs> His name is uh, Ano. 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 It means delicious and Hawaiian. I okay. Think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not bad. Does Ano, uh, does he kind of come around and, and snuggle up to you? Yeah, he's, he's like a cat. Yeah. You know, cats are very distant. But right. like when he comes around, he definitely, you know, snugs, rubs up against you and stuff. <laughs> yeah. You ever going to get a dog to go with the cat? Oh, no, definitely. I want a pit bull. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to convince my girlfriend. But if not, I'll settle for a Frenchie. Frenchie, okay. Yeah, yeah you've got teammates who have both. They've sat in this chair and talked about theirs. Great dogs. Yeah. Great yeah. dogs. Definitely. Okay. What was the favorite thing that you guys all did together, brother-wise, growing up? What would you love doing the most with them when you're a little guy? Probably playing video games or playing basketball outside because we had, like, a hoop. Had, like, a raggedy hoop, and we had it on the street. Uh-huh. And so we would just always be out there playing if it wasn't football, it was basketball, baseball, kickball, like we played anything. Now I know you were a four-year letterman at Erie Cathedral Prep. Yep. Did you play any other sports in high school? Nah, so when just I got football. to high school, I just said football is the way to go. Which sport would you play as a professional if you weren't a pro football player? I want to say basketball because uh -huh. it's my first true love. Okay. But a six-six-three center. <laughs> not going to do much. So I would say I would say baseball. Yeah. I wish I would have stuck with baseball. Probably could have been a decent first baseman. Yeah, is that what you played when you yeah, were? Yeah, yeah. All right. Did yeah. you hit lefty or right? I was a righty. Okay. I, was a righty. I got you. Yeah. Who's your favorite baseball player ever? Uh, it was David Ortiz growing up. Yeah. Big poppy. Yes. Yeah. You know who else loves him? So you're the left guard. Right guard Shaq Mason. Big I'm, David Ortiz. He was a baseball player. He was a player. monster. Uh-huh. And I liked, uh, I, I was a big fan of Barry Bonds. Okay. Because I used to play baseball when I was younger. My dad showed me, like, all his clips. Yeah. And he was impossible. He was an on-base machine. Cranking them out the park. Oh, yeah, all the time. You'd have a pretty good infield from the tech. It'd be you at first over on the hot corner. You'd have Shaq Mason. That's not bad. You'd have to get to a shortstop and a second baseman. <laughs> Let's say right now who you are, your strength, your speed, your smarts, all that stuff, you go put on the Erie Cathedral Prep uniform, and you line up with Erie Cathedral Prep. They've got a game tomorrow. What positions are you going to play? Because... You can play both sides of the ball. You play specialty. And what's your stat line going to be? What what sort of shop are you going to oh, rep? Man. I'm 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 toting the ball. I never good. I only had carried the ball once, and it was an interception. So I'm definitely running back. Just uh -huh. give me the ball. Probably going for 500. <laughs> <laughs> Eight touchdowns. They not break me down. Okay. You know, defense just let me roam at middle linebacker. Okay. <laughs> what's the stat line going to be there? I might be a little tired, so uh -huh. defense, I'd probably say a little something like 10 tackles. Ten I might take some plays off on defense. Oh, I, I, I don't like to hear that. But you're going to get some sacks and mixed in with the tackles, right? No, for sure. Probably okay. like three, four sacks for sure. Now, see, I love it that you said, I'm going to tote the rock, because I've asked this of a bunch of your teammates, and they just kind of stick to their positions. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. I'm running all over them, little kids. Good. You have the right mindset. Mm -hmm. You win. The, that was the correct answer. <laughs> Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to speak with animals? Ooh. Any animal, too. I say animals. I say animals because <laughs> you always wonder, like, what are they thinking? Like, when they do stuff, I would, I would definitely like to talk to animals. Okay, you, you're going with the animals. Yeah. Okay. Going on a road trip, you got to go back to, uh, to Ohio, to Pennsylvania. You kind of grew, grew up right on the border there. Yep. You got three teammates that are on the road trip with you. You're driving from here to there. Who are the three teammates? I like to laugh. So I'm going, I'm going LT. Laramie Tunsil. <laughs> I'm going George Fant. George Fant, okay. And I'm going Shaq. Those Shaq. three together, if 
funniest thing ever. Pretty funny stuff, huh? So, yeah, I'm going number three. Give us a glimpse, because like, you're obviously seeing that in, in the O-lineman room. <laughs> what sort of stuff are they talking about? What's the funny stuff going on? Man, it's, it's any and everything you could think of. Uh, some things I probably can't talk of to. Of course, you know, yeah, yeah. But it's just anything, like any conversation is funny. And then when you hear LT laugh, everybody just starts cracking up. <laughs> That's funny. He doesn't he doesn't let that out too much and around us. When he does it, it's, it's hilarious. Pretty disarming. Man. It's hilarious. All right. What's uh what's the snack? What are y'all what are y'all eating? What are y'all drinking on the road? So the guys they switch it up. So they like Popeyes. Okay. And then they like Shake Shack. Okay. Those All are right. the top two things. All right. Any sunflower seeds, beef jerky, anything like candy? Driving. Nah, I'm, I'm good. You're I'm good? good? Yeah, I'm yeah. not really a snack guy. You gotta focus on the road. You yeah, gotta be a diligent yeah. driver, fair enough. Okay. Hey, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. You got a favorite Christmas song or two? Favorite Christmas song? Probably just Jingle Bells, man. Yeah. Yeah. My mom would play just all Christmas playlists <laughs> and just let it ride. So how, how soon would she start playing that? Would she definitely? November. November? Okay. November, yeah. Before Thanksgiving, November? Yeah, before Thanksgiving. That's cool. I like uh, it. Everything up, tree, everything up before in November. Really? Yeah. So she's she, prepared. She goes hard. She goes hard. What are you going to miss the most about being home for Christmas this year? It's been like that for a while now because you've yeah. been playing college ball, <laughs> but what do you miss the most about not being up there? Really just being around family. Because whenever me and my family get together, it's always, no matter like you're having a bad day or what, it's always a good time. Yeah. Jokes, laughs. So just being around them and really just missing home cooking, stuffing, mac and cheese, all that. All the good stuff. Yeah, huh? I just miss that for real. Well, Juice Grugs, Merry Christmas to you. Thanks so much for the time. This has been a Drew's Dozen. Yes, sir. Great stuff there from the rookie, Juice Scruggs. Glad to see him back. and playing well now one of the guys that he opens holes for is Devin Singletary who had a fantastic ball game 170 total yards against the Tennessee Titans need to begin against Cleveland Browns I don't think you're gonna get to 170 but boy it'd be nice if he did tough defense to go against but here's a little cut in the locker room with Drew Doherty and Devin Singletary a little D&D for you on a Friday evening Devin, tell me about the defensive front of the Browns. What's the challenge there? You just raise your eyebrows. Why do you raise your eyebrows when it's you tough, get that? Man, the, the way they get off the ball, the, the way, you know, they, they hunting, they, they wreak havoc. I, I know they got Miles Garrett, but he, he's not the only guy that's, that's causing trouble, you know, on that front. So um, we're definitely going to have our hands full. It's going to be a good game. I talked with Juice Scruggs yesterday, and, and he was talking about the offensive line and how they were looking like they're – gelling a little bit more and he said oh no 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 it's it's Devin Singletary and I said well when Devin talks about you guys or talks about his game he's giving you guys the credit it's kind of like a modesty appreciation society isn't it yeah I mean it takes all of us but for me personally like without those guys it's the quarterback won't get nothing done the receivers won't get nothing done so it really starts with those guys you know they rolling right now so if they rolling we rolling yeah, they're rolling, and there's been a lot of different versions of them this year because of injury and, and everything. What are you seeing from this specific left to right, this group that's starting? You know, the, the way they communicate, the, the trust that they have is being displayed, definitely. And then how about you? Are you seeing things differently on your end? Is Are things getting a little clearer in this offense as, as the season goes on? Yeah, definitely. Just the intent on, on certain plays, knowing the intent, that helps out a lot. Then just having those reps, it, it can go a long way. All right, I know you guys want a victory. I know you guys want the playoffs, but regardless of that, what are you hoping Santa brings you uh, Monday morning? Uh, Monday morning, man, being my right mind and good health for sure, and hopefully a nice gift. I'm pretty sure, you know, my lady and my son got me a nice gift, so I'm ready for that. Merry Christmas, Devin Singletary. Same to you, bro. Same to you as well, all you bros and broettes out there. I, we get back 
I mentioned Charles Davis earlier. Salt of the earth human being, fantastic broadcaster, just a great dude. He will catch up with Drew Doherty next right here on Texans All Access. We got one hour down, one hour left to go right here on a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and your host for this evening. It's time to dive in with Charles Davis. He'll be calling the game with Iron Eagle on Saturday, Sunday, excuse me, 12 noon kickoff at Energy Stadium. He was nice enough to spend more than a few minutes with Drew Doherty. Here's Charles Davis and Drew Doherty. Drew. This is a real treat. Charles Davis has the color commentary job this weekend. CBS, he and I and Eagle call in the game. Texans at Browns. Charles, this is a massive showdown. I don't know that everyone externally back in August, September would have had this one pegged as such a big game, but playoff implications, that's a delicious sound for Texans fans. How excited are you to call a game like this with, you know, they're they're kind of a couple of upstarts if you think about what this the the the, the predictions were for this season coming in. Very excited, truthfully, Drew, and happy holiday season to you and yours and everyone yeah. who can hear us. Um, let me just let me just say, you've been around the team, you work, you do all this stuff. If if I had rolled up to you in training camp in August and said, "Hey, man, I just got a sneaking suspicion we're going to be back in December, and when Cleveland comes to town, that game's going to be massive for both teams trying to make playoffs." I don't know that I, I would have loved to see your reaction, like. Not that you're a, a non-believer, right? But that's a big leap of faith at that point for both. Truth, yeah. I knew, I knew the Texans would be a lot better. better. Yeah, yeah. But the idea that we'd be sitting here and those two now, my first year of CBS was 2020, the COVID year, and the Oof. first game I ever did for CBS with Ian and Evan was Cleveland at Baltimore. And it's Kevin Stefanski's first game as an NFL head coach, regular season. And they got it handed to him. Got beat like 38 to 6. Just got pounded. Um, Jamie Gillen was a punter, and he fake punted it. And the Scottish hammer got hammered. I mean, it was just just one of those days, right? But by the end of the year, who was in the playoffs and winning a playoff game? Cleveland was. Yeah. So you learn these things as you go through. And we've been fortunate enough this year, as you know, we were here for the Tampa game. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't do analytics very well because my math skills are just horrific. But I think they said at the time Houston got the ball at one point in that game, there's like a 10% chance of have, of winning that game. And they did it and got it done. And a rookie quarterback and a rookie receiver making plays and, you know, a team believing. And you see right then and there. And then we were back for Denver right after the disappointment of the Jacksonville game when a 58-yarder hit the crossbar. I just love what both of these coaches bring to their teams, and you can see their teams playing to those coaches' personalities and levels. And, you know, you don't want to give it too much, but at the same time, I don't think Stefanski gets enough credit. Yeah. And Nico is going to get a ton of credit early because new coaches get that, and he deserves it. Absolutely. And you just kind of touched on something, but what's it say about this team that the Texans have built around Case Keenum now, because they've been built around CJ Stroud. What's it say about the team and what they were able to pull off last Sunday? And what's that say about Case Keenum himself? Yeah, I'll start with the team. What it tells me about the team is that they've been building quietly in a good way for a while. And I realized that David Cully was fired in one year, right? I do realize that Lovey Smith was fired in one year, but both of them did some good things with this team. 
and the people who are still here from those times, I don't think you'd find them saying bad things about them. I remember David Culley winning a game late in his first year that he shouldn't have won. And I think it was the one that essentially cost the Chargers a playoff spot. You remember that mm -hmm. one, Drew? Mm -hmm. Chargers had to go play the Raiders, kind of a loser leave town game for the last yeah. game of the year. And they lost it and the Raiders went to the playoffs and they didn't. But if they had won that game, I think they were already locked in. But the team played hard for them down the stretch. Lovey last year, instead of getting the number one pick, goes for two, gets it. The team responds. Everybody thought it was a bad thing at the time. Turned out you got the quarterback that you needed, and he mm -hmm. was there. And I think D'Amico continues that and then some, obviously. You know, I also have to give Nick Casario a little bit of a little bit of love here. I've liked their drafts over the last three seasons. I think mm -hmm. that we can go back and look. They're a big part of this team and what's going on. And then you sprinkle in some other guys and off you go. So, yeah, there's all that. Now, for Case Keenum, this is one of the great examples of what a true pro looks like. A pro who gets it, a pro who's been there, who's beat all the odds to begin with, but never, ever quit believing in himself. And then when called upon, yep, I'm ready to go again. Because you got to have those guys. Like at the quarterback position, because all the money goes to your starter as a general rule, <laughs> the backup guys got to be able to play on short notice, limited reps and be confident and able to go out and do it kind of like a long reliever who pitches a lot of innings got to just be able to jump jump out there and not worry about it and that's exactly who case keenum is i mean heck drew he threw that pick six last week was the demeanor any different the next series nope no did it stop firing nope i mean kept doing all the right things team believed and so on and so forth i'm a big case keenum fan and he's just one of those guys that every time he produced because it wasn't a Super Bowl win, everybody kept saying, ah, I think I can get somebody a little bit better. And that wasn't <laughs> always the case. And he's this is his third go-round with the team. I remember he comes in, spends his entire rookie season on the practice squad, most of the next, not most, but a chunk of it next year on the practice squad. And then first time he's ever active, he starts. Charles Davis of CBS Sports with us right now. Tell me about what you've learned. You're, you've been in some production meetings covering those games that you mentioned this year. What's the one thing in those production meetings, usually the day before the game, that stood out to you the most that you're like, God, I didn't realize that in, in, in talking with Texans, whether it's a coach, whether it's a player. Belief in their quarterback so early. That one has really struck me because guys went out of their way to tell us stories. And sometimes, Drew, you ever been in one of those places where someone praises another person so much that by the end you're like, I don't know that that's real. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so over the top. And then you find right. out like, they actually hate each other. And you go, oh, that makes sense. He's trying too hard to tell me one way. With the Texans, it's not the case at all. It's so easy how they would drop in, how C.J. Stroud just captivated the team so quickly. But it wasn't a jump up on the table, look at me, capture them. It was just him being him and ingratiating himself you know, inserting himself into the team, not I'm over here. You guys come to me. Inserting himself into the team. I had a veteran. There was Jonathan Grenard who told me, oh, yeah, he could have been captain after probably the second day of OTAs. <laughs> and he just said it so matter of factly. That's what that's why I'm buying, you know. 
because it's just so easy for them. And they couldn't wait to grasp him and wanted him to lead. And then he went out and he's done it so many times. So I don't know that we're going to get him on Sunday. Well, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that he's out of the protocol and able to play. But above all, I want him healthy. So if it's not this week, get get, get healthy, young man. But just watching that as a rookie and being able to take over and go. But I also think on the flip side, you're seeing those veterans allowing the youngsters to step forward. The Jerry Hughes of the world that are pushing you. Will Anderson, we're going to put a C on your jersey. I'm going to be here for you, but I need you and your voice. Hey, Jalen Petrie, you know, you're back to Jimmy Ward's got a C, but he's going to bring that youngster with him. Come here, we're going to put a C on you too. And I'm going to show you how this is done. Play and deeds. And it all comes crashing together. I'm a big believer in what we're seeing here in Houston. But I told you before, Drew, I liked what they were doing draft-wise ahead of that. And I don't think they were getting the credit because the wins weren't there. Now we're starting to see it come to fruition with some of those past drafts melding with this one and the free agency that they've done. Yeah, it's it's cool you bring that up because look at this offense. You know, who who are the weapons on offense? Well, a guy who was drafted a few years back, Nico Collins. A guy who's drafted this year, but he's on the shelf now for the rest of it in Tank Dell. Dalton Schultz, one of those second week of free agency signings. It's a pretty lethal offense when it's fully healthy. It's a it's a good offense as, as it stands right now. Charles, what's the most dangerous aspect of it? When you look at it as a former safety, you played yeah. safety at Tennessee. What, what do you see when you look at that offense if you're looking at it from the safety vantage point? What's, what's the biggest threat there? Yeah, when they're all there, they hit you at every level because mm-hmm. – you know, we know Tank can can come out of the slot and get deep on you, right? Nico can run as well, but where he really scares me is when he catches a 10-yard slant on the move. And that big body is now going and you got to go get him on the ground. That's not He's easy. violent. He is violent oh. after the catch, man. Yes, yeah. he is. I mean, when he gets motoring, right, Drew? There's times I'm sure that you've seen you you've seen people along the way make that so-called business decision, go, you know, <laughs> gonna go thud here in practice today right so it maybe we'll go two-hand tag whatever it's gonna <laughs> take because he but but that's what i mean when he catches on the move and he's going whoo look out and then with dalton schultz his ability to run every variety of route and he's gonna finish with the ball in his hands has great hands that's what i think about them that, that, that they can hit you with all of those and you got a quarterback who loves to throw the ball downfield. He loves to push those deep digs and and in routes and you know anything that you can hit where guys are on the move but going away and he'll hit you between 10 and 20 in that intermediate zone and turn them into big chunks of yardage. The one thing is Devin Singletary's ability to run the football again as shown last week is something that they really really needed. Because when they had it going, remember midseason, and he was going back-to-back 100s, and they're winning at Cincinnati. I know it's a throwing league. We all know it's a throwing league. But you still got to be able to run the ball with efficiency and proficiency if you want to have to have a big uh, impact in the playoffs. Charles Davis of CBS Sports. When you look at this matchup, Texans are a game behind the Browns in the standings, yet they're fourth in the NFL in turnover differential. Houston is. And Cleveland is down at the bottom around 27, 28. They've turned the ball over a lot more than they've taken it away. How do you explain it? the disparity there with the wins and losses that they've got? I mean, this is an interesting Crazy. dichotomy, you know? Crazy. It tells you about their defense. It tells yeah. you their defense can, can snuff out a lot of things or, or limit the damage, okay? Because they've turned it over. I think they've got 30 giveaways, and it's 110 points given up off of the 30 giveaways. 
but a good chunk chunk of that I think are field goals, mm-hmm. and they make it work for it because they they you know they make it they make it a grind for you if if you're trying to move the ball on offense. So that has helped them in a big way, but it's not the formula anyone would have for extended success and and getting it done all the way through. In fact, the idea that they won nine games with that kind of turnover ratio flies in the face of everything a coach preaches in preseason. So that tells you sometimes you have those little outliers. I mean, let's be honest, Drew. That, four different quarterbacks. I was going to say, yeah. Right? (laughs) I mean, the defense at home, we had them two weeks ago against Jacksonville. I don't know the exact numbers yet. I'll have them by game time. I'll do a little more studying. But going into Jacksonville game, they were giving up 10.2 points per game at home. Right. They're giving up 30 points per game on the road. Yep. And we asked them point blank. I asked the D coordinator. We asked players, whatever. Everyone gave me the Alfred E. Newman. For for those of a certain age, he was the guy on the cover of uh, what was the, the Mad Magazine. Mad Magazine, yeah. What Mag- may work? Yeah. And he gave you that little shrug like the Bosa's do after their sacks, that, that shrug look. Yep. That's what everyone got. I don't know. <laughs> and, and we can't tell you. Like, I have nothing where I could come to you, Drew, and go, yeah, I could, you know, I've analyzed it. And I see this. No, I got nothing. I can't, I yeah. can't be tell you all i know is if you play cleveland in cleveland that's a really hard slog on the road it's been different but that doesn't mean you you take them lightly i think their yeah. corners exceptional mj emerson doesn't get the the the, the, the acclaim he deserves denzel ward is back newsom can play the slot that's why i have a sneaking suspicion that in this game if case keenum's the quarterback dalton schultz is going to be his best friend because I think Cleveland plays a lot of man. They'll try to lock down on the outside. I'm not saying outside will get nothing, but they right. make it difficult. Mm-hmm. And Dalton Schultz becomes much more of a focal point in this game. Yeah, and those two got going, Keenum and Schultz, in the second half. It was kind of quiet there in the first uh, first bit of work in Nashville. Okay, Joe Flacco is somebody that the Texans are very familiar with. They played him a lot of times when he was with the Ravens. What's the Joe Flacco you're seeing right now versus the one – that I think most people are familiar with from the end of the last decade and the early, early part of uh, the, the teens. Yeah. It's it's the same Joe Flacco in so many ways in, in throwing the football. Mm-hmm. I say it all the time. Those guys with big arms that we knew young, they have big arms when they're old. Okay. They're the ones that the grandkids can't play catch with because grandpa throws it too hard. All right. They can't help themselves. If you have a big arm young, you have a big arm old. In fact, right before they close the lid of your coffin, you're going to throw one more 50-yarder. That's how <laughs> that's how they operate. And Flacco's arm hasn't changed. That arm is still – listen, in all those years, is Joe Flacco elite? Remember that? His arm has always been elite. You can argue right. about the of it. Here's the, here's the difference for me. He is playing the happiest he has played in I don't know how long. I'm not saying he was ever unhappy playing. That's sure. But the expectations are different. Yeah. Expectations are different. And he didn't think he was going to get this shot. He had yeah. just about resigned himself like it's over. The league's done with me when he got the call from Cleveland. In fact, we asked him, like, if it wasn't Cleveland, where were you going? He said, I'd still be on my couch because they're the only ones <laughs> home. So he's out there having a blast. And these youngsters that he's playing with, even the ones who are veterans, are young to him. They're having a ball going to the bit, going to you know the elder, their elder, and soaking up the knowledge. David Njoku, the tight end, could he be any happier right now? He's been targeted twenty eight times and three starts from Flacco. Yeah. Okay. Amari Cooper got over hundred yards last week. His ability to throw the ball downfield. He and C.J. Stroud, if Stroud were able to play, 
we might be matching a game of who's going to throw it downfield with a dagger throw more. That's what we're looking for, and that's what I see out of Flacco. Not saying he won't check it down. He also has enough confidence. He doesn't mind throwing it, throwing it down there and letting you make a play. Charles Davis of CBS Sports with us right now. Charles, one of the things that is really exciting about this interview is I've got two boys, a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old. They play Madden all the dang time. Do you so know, I feel do you know the game at all. Like, do you know the game console and everything else? A little you know, bit, but I was gonna say you're you know, on your voice is in our house like twenty four seven, man. I hear, lot, I hear a lot of complaints about that. It's not and, a complaint; it's a happy and I thing. Tell, I tell all parents there's a mute button on the game. <laughs> Might have to just exercise it. It's one of you know, all kidding aside, Drew. That's one of the coolest things about my job, and one of the coolest things I've done. I've told this story a million times. I'll tell it one more time. My son was 16, I think, with the time I got the, the gig. Mm-hmm. And you know what it's like, right? You got the two boys playing. Do they have the headsets and they can play with their friends even if they're not in the house? They only do that for like Fortnite. That's a new thing. They okay, play against a- each other, and the, the eight-year-old usually winds up fighting with the 10-year-old. So, yeah. Good. You've got, you got normal good boys then, right? Yeah. That's you, you scrap with each other. Uh-huh. but. At some point, right, they're going to have the life with Fortnite. You know, you have your friends who are playing somewhere else and you've got to play them. He's in Idaho. You're in California. He's in Texas. You're in, and you can do all those, right? Yep. Well, my son had all of his friends. They were doing that, right? And they were playing. And when I got the gig, it's the most street cred I've ever gotten in my life. I mean, I was lucky. You know, I've done national championship games on the college side. I've done some decent games in the NFL side. I've done a couple of things as a broadcaster. The day I got the job, that afternoon after he told all of his boys, the house was packed with his fellas. And for the next two weeks, they they, they acted like I was halfway cool. Before that, I was gum on the bottom of their shoes on a hot day. So that Madden franchise is a big deal. And to be a part of that, that small, tiny part of what Coach Madden created, and then you know he did it like the first nine or ten years with Pat Summerall, and yeah. the names like Jim Nance, Phil Sims. Gus Johnson, Brad Nessler, you know, all these people who have done this game and done it so well for myself and my partner, Brandon Godden, we're, we're a little bit in awe of the fact that we get a chance to do this. Now, our day, I think, is starting to come to an end. The oh, is it? Are, yeah, and, and I give the game credit because it's constantly evolving. When okay. we took over, Drew, that's when they added in, we would come in on Mondays and Tuesdays, and do the games that have been played that weekend. And then as a gamer, you could download fresh commentary every week on Wednesday and Thursday. Wow. So before, remember, you'd get the game and you get whatever number of hours was on the game and the game was the game was the game. So you'd have it August to the next August. It wasn't changing. Well, they figured out at Madden, hey, we put this fresh commentary in, spice it up, freshen it up every week. That makes it better. So we would come in and do all the games Monday and Tuesday that we had done that had been done the week before. And we did so that for like done. five years. Wow. You know, he'd do his game. I'd do my game. We'd meet in the studio on Monday and Tuesday and go three, four hours of time, do it. And the gamers benefited in terms of having fresh commentary. Now, whether they like the commentary, you have to ask them. I, <laughs> I'm sure there's times they're like, good Lord, if he says that same thing one more time, I'll punch him in his face. But that's what ends up happening. I remember my son telling me right in the beginning, hey, man. Make sure you give them a lot of different things on stuff because I don't want to know what you're going to say before you say it, okay? (laughs) So you do the best you can on it. Right. But for us, eight years to be a part of this, and I think what's going to happen is they're going to add 
extra commentary team. So you as a as a player will get a choice, kind of like on a Sunday. Oh, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Which game am I going to watch? And each one has different announcers. Son of a gun. Wow. So I think you're going to have three or four teams of announcers that you'll get to choose to put on your game. Right. The right. bad people, a ton of credit for that one, even if that means Brandon and myself that our, our days are, are, are numbered. All right. I've got about 58 more questions for you just about Madden, but I know you got to go, but I've got one more. I want to, want to finish with. Sure. You played safety at Tennessee early eighties. Yeah. I believe you overlapped with Reggie white I while you were there. Enough, I was fortunate enough to do that. That is correct. Yes. Best Reggie white story. Cause he's somebody that we talk about a lot around here. Mm -hmm. uh, just in everything that's that's going on. He's somebody that made an impact on JJ Watt, you know, and some of the yeah. current players talk about him. What was it like playing alongside that guy? I was a freshman when Reggie was a junior at Tennessee. And, and then of he course, left he had a lot of acclaim coming out of the state of Tennessee, one of the highest recruits we had. His coach, John Majors, was trying to rebuild the Tennessee program. Remember, he had come from Pitt, where he'd won a national title, and he was trying to get Tennessee back to its former glory. And so getting Reggie, keeping him at home was a huge, huge deal. But Reggie didn't truly reach the Reggie White potential his first couple of years. And then as a junior, was playing well, hurt an ankle, and then just wasn't quite the same. But his senior year, we changed defensive coordinators. We, we changed other people on the staff. I was a redshirt freshman. My secondary running mate was a sophomore who had started inside linebacker at 190 pounds a year before. Our two corners, one was a, a sophomore who had started as a freshman because we had injuries, and the other was a redshirt freshman. All freshmen, sophomores in the secondary. So you got all these babies. We had finished in the 90s in pass defense the year before, in the 90s in total defense the year before. But Reggie was ready for his senior year. <laughs> and Drew, we went from in the 90s to top 10 in the country in total defense, <laughs> top 10 in the country in pass defense, because 92 was there. And I will tell you, as a player, we were playing Vanderbilt to finish the season, and there was an offensive tackle for Vanderbilt named Will Wolford who played oh, on yeah. some really good Buffalo Bills teams, went yeah. to the Super Bowl. And Reggie spent the entire day taking Will Wolford and doing whatever he felt like doing with Will Wolford. And I'm not saying that to get on Will Wolford. He is a no. tremendous player. And I'm not saying it as a, a yeah, yeah, Will Wolford, because I have too much respect for him. But Reg was ready to go. And at one point, I think he started inside. The guard had him. He threw the guard aside. Will came over to try. He took Will and flipped him out of the way. And then the fullback stepped up or the running back stepped up to pick him up in protection. And Reggie picked up the running back, threw him into the quarterback, Kurt Page, and knocked Kurt Page over with the football for a sack. It's on tape. <laughs> wow. That was, I, that was on the field. Off the field, as you know, he was known as the minister of defense. Reggie was an ordained minister while in college. And uh, deep, deep faith, unshakable faith, but was one of the big hearted guys you would ever meet. In fact, he was a kid like he was the one I'm pretty sure his wife, Sarah, would always talk about. I have three children. I have the boy, the girl and I have Reggie. <laughs> because Reg was always the one like if we you remember you go to a movie on Friday night in college, like team goes to a movie where they go to the hotel. Right. We always prayed that the movie was a good movie. 
because Reggie would imitate who the star was. He's always doing impressions. And if it was a lousy movie, we'd have to hear those impressions for a week of a bad movie. <laughs> so I think we saw Rodney Dangerfield one time and we got Rodney Dangerfield from then on. <laughs> I tell you, I get no respect. And it was Reggie just being Reggie, but we miss him terribly. But what he gave the game, what he gave people like J.J. Watt, who is a continuation of Reggie, you know, those great ones start a line. Mm-hmm. And we see them adopt it. I will guarantee you Reggie would love J.J. Watt, would love him because of the way he played the game and the, lo- the joy that he played with and how he treated people and what he does. That was important to Reggie, too. Like, Reggie yeah. would just, you know, Reggie beating the heck out of people, but he's picking them up after he dumped them on their butt when the play was over, you know? And, and J.J. had a lot of that in him as well. He, he respected the people he played with, even though he fiercely wanted to beat them. The great Charles Davis. I've got uh, so much more I could ask you. Hope we get to do this again. Let's do it again sometime, Drew. When you get and you run out of people, when you get down to number 1,148, I'm 1,149. You give me a call. Hey, you're way higher up the list. I got Willie Galt questions too, man. I'm I'm, I'm from the 80s, so we'll have to save those for another time. Drew, Drew, I'll let you go on this one. I report to Tennessee in 1982 as a a, uh, freshman, right? Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be a quarterback. They realized quickly I should be a defensive back. So now I become a defensive back. I'm redshirting that year. I'm going up against our wide receivers. In 1981 or 82 or somewhere in that neighborhood, we had four wide receivers on the Tennessee football team that formed the four by 100 NCAA champions. That's amazing. So what, how do you think this kid from New Paltz, New York, didn't practice each day? <laughs> Not well. <laughs> Boy, made must have made the games easy, huh? Well, it made the games easy for them because they were so used <laughs> to just, just toasting me up, you know. But I mean, it was Willie, it was Mike Miller, it was it was Daryl Wilson. I mean, Lenny Taylor. I mean, wow. it just went on and on and on. The first three were all draft picks. Willie was a first rounder. Mike Miller was a third rounder, and Daryl Wilson was a second rounder. They could all run. I mean, yeah. we were still wide receiver. You then, like we could, right. we could. Oh, Anthony Hancock had come through there. Stanley, Stanley Morgan. We always had guys who could get up and go. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Miller came along. Tim McGee, Clyde Duncan. I could go on for days, and I couldn't run with any of them. Yeah, I mean Willie Galt flirted with running in the Olympics, or did, Could've or something, or, right? If we, yeah. didn't, if we didn't have the boycott in '80, yeah, he would have been on the Olympic team in '80. Willie Miller. And just and you know I think he's still running masters track meets and and setting records each time, you know he's that guy like he shows up at a masters meet and I'm sure he better bring his birth certificate because they don't believe he's as old as he is because he's you know he still looks phenomenal and can still get out and go and do his thing he was exceptional in fact he ran back two kickoffs at LSU for touchdowns when LSU was in the top ten in the country and we were not and we ended up tying LSU back then we still had ties yeah yeah. We didn't play overtime, but we tied LSU. I think they were like number eight in the country, but we did it because Willie ran back two kickoffs in the game and kept us in it. <laughs> I believe it, man. I, I loved watching it when I was a kid with those Bears teams. So uh, I had to ask you about it. Charles, this was a lot of fun. Really do appreciate it. You're going to do a great job with Ian Eagle on the call with CBS this Sunday. Texans and Browns, this has been Charles Davis. Fantastic stuff there from Charles Davis. Just an unbelievable human being, as is 
Drew Doherty. When we get back, we got a lot of games other than ours going on on Saturday and Sunday. I'll pick them all straight up and against the spread for fun next on Texans All Access. All right, it's time to get into my John Harris, the Planet Southern reporter for your Houston Texans, and my predictions for this week straight up and against the spread. And I'll try and tell you in the three fastest minutes of radio who we want to win as Texans fans. So let's go get my music ready and let's rock. Bengals taking on the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh will go with Mason Rudolph. The Bengals are hot, but no Jamar Chase, no DJ Reader. Cincinnati is favored by three. I'm going to give the Steelers an upset win and obviously a cover. So we need the Steelers to win. That's part of it. I can't go against my heart and my head, so that's what I'm going with. Bills and Chargers. The Bills are favored by 12 and a half. The Chargers have no shot. None whatsoever. No the game's in L.A. I know Easton Stick coming back, bouncing back. No, no, no. Bills will win by 14. We need the Chargers to win, but the Bills are going to win, and they're going to win big. So that's what's on tap for Saturday. Sunday, Commanders taking on the Jets. Jets are three-point favorite. Zach Wilson's out. Trevor Simeon's in. I'm going to go with the Jets just because I don't think the Commanders have much left. But let's go with the Commanders to get a cover. So very, very, very close. Jets win. Commanders cover. Seahawks taking on the Titans. Will Levis is going to be questionable for this game. So, if it's Ryan Tannehill, I actually think the Titans have a shot. Want the Seahawks to win, and I think the Seahawks will win. They're favored by three and a half. Let's get them a win, but the Titans are going to cover this. They're going to get inside the three and a half. Seahawks win. Titans get the cover. The Colts are taking on the Falcons in Atlanta. Atlanta's favored by two and a half. I hate to say it. I want the Falcons to win. I really need the Falcons to win. We need the Falcons to win. They won't. The Colts will end up winning this. Taylor Heineke can only do so much. The Colts are going to win and in so doing, cover that two and a half. Packers taking on the Panthers. Panthers got a second win last week in the rain. Green Bay's favored by four on the road. They'll get this win. It won't be easy, and it won't be pretty, but they'll get the win. They'll win by touchdown over the Panthers, 24-17. That'll move the Packers to seven and eight. Let's go Packers. Lions taking on the Vikings in Minnesota. This feels like a letdown game for Detroit. It feels that way. They're favored by three. I'm going Vikings with Nick Mullins to bounce back and beat the Lions and keep whatever hopes there are for the division alive for some other team in the north, not named Detroit. Detroit, upset loss. Jags are taking on the Buccaneers. Trevor Lawrence, questionable. Did practice on Friday. C.J. Beathard or Trevor Lawrence makes all the difference in the world. Tampa Bay is favored by two and a half. I and we need Tampa Bay to win. So we're going with Tampa Bay to win and to cover that two and a half and beat the Jaguars in Tampa Bay. That would be awesome. Cardinals taking on the Bears. Bears favored by four. They'll win by seven. Cowboys going to the Dolphins, a big one, both 10 and four. Miami's favored by a point and a half. Cowboys have not played well on the road. It's their second straight on the road. I think the Dolphins will get this one by a field goal, so that's a cover and a win for Miami. The Patriots taking on the Broncos. would love to see an upset here, but it's not going to happen. The Broncos will get the win. They won't get the cover. Seven-point favorite uh, situation for the Broncos, and the Patriots will get inside that seven. Monday night. Quickly, Chiefs favored by 10, they'll win by 14. Eagles are favored by 13 and a half, they'll win by 10, give the Giants a cover. 49ers, Ravens, my goodness, how good is this? 49ers favored by five and a half, they'll get the win and the cover beating the Ravens on Christmas night. That's going to do it for the predictions coming up next. It's a little D'Amico Reloaded right here on Texans All Access. We got one final segment on this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter 
For your Houston Texans, it's time for D'Amico Reloaded. Always love to play our interview with D'Amico. Every Monday, we talk about the Browns. We talk about the previous games. So there's a lot to get into. So here's a little D'Amico Reloaded. It's head coach D'Amico Ryans following the Texans' epic win at Tennessee. Coach, a week ago, we gathered here and talked about what it was going to take. And it took everything you had, <laughs> but you got the job done. Your feelings and thoughts. It did take everything, but I'm <laughs> yeah. excited. We got it done. It's always, you want to come out on top with the W. And we did that, right? Took took a lot of time, <laughs> four quarters and overtime, but very pleased with the, the effort from our guys and, you know, how everybody – you know, continued to push. Nobody blinked in the moment. Everybody had this confidence on that sideline and throughout the locker room that they felt we knew we were going to win that game. Coach, there's so many times this year we've said, but as a team win, Mark and I were talking about it. We always give out the player of the game, and we're like, well, what about this guy? Well, what about this guy? What about this guy? I know you can't just pick one, but it felt like there were so many guys that contributed to the win, and that's probably the way you drew it up, no? Yeah, it, it was. I felt like that was – that's. That's what it would take like early in the week as we were preparing. I felt like it was going to take everybody. And literally everybody on our roster, they stood up and made plays. You talk about offense, every offensive lineman, right, was help motor run the way yep. he ran. Our tight ends, Brevin, Dalton, the way they blocked. Receivers stepping in and blocking. Uh, Case having to step up. He made plays for us. The off-schedule play, the motor, none bigger than that one to put, put us in field goal range. So it's just – Every guy, defensively, every defensive lineman contributed <laughs> to the great de great defense we had against the run. And then also in the back end, like we lose Jimmy Ward. We got, you know, Adrian stepping in. Uh, DAC had to step in at safety. Like multiple guys, Desmond King, Christian Harris, like multiple guys just stepped up and made play after play after play to help us win that game. Well, historically good performance against the run, Coach. And I was joking with Johnny. I said, well, why can't they do this every week against <laughs> the run? So difficult to get that kind of thing done. And I know every back and every situation is a little bit different, but you saw the total team effort there. Yeah, you did. And it started with the defensive line. The way they reset the line of scrimmage, as they call it, the interior D lineman, they, were, they played physical. They knocked back the guard, the center, multiple times. Our DNs on the edge, they set the edges so the ball couldn't check and get out, get outside. Uh, corners did a really good job of showing up on the perimeter. That's where Derrick Henry has made a lot of, a lot of plays. Mm -hmm. He checks his feet and he bounces the ball on the perimeter and he's one on one with the corner. But I thought Sting and Nelson did a really good job of showing up when there was time for them to show up. And now he had nowhere to go, so now he almost stops in the backfield. Yep. And that caused a ton of TFLs, which led to his yard outage. And you played nickel the entire game? And you held him <laughs> to nine yards? I mean, that shows, you know, we're talking about Des King and him showing up. But, Coach, it felt like there were a couple times where Henry wanted to cut runs back and it looked like he had something. And Denzel was right there on his hip. It felt like your linebackers played with this aggressive restraint as if they didn't go run to where he was going, they anticipated where he was going to be, and they made plays that way. Yeah, it was trust, right? They trusted that the edge would be set by the corners and the defensive ends, and now, you know, Denzel, Christian, they were able to flow. Denzel played fast. He made a lot of plays for us. Uh, Desmond stepped up. He was playing well. Was like, there's yeah. no need to change. Let's keep him in the right, game right. as much as possible, no matter what uh, personnel they threw out there, because Desmond was playing instinctive. 
he was seeing that he even made tackles for losses. Yep. You know, it looks like we were blitzing him, but we weren't. Right. <laughs> but yeah. he was all over it because he just had a really good feel and instinct for what they were doing. Well, what about Desmond King, Coach? Because it looked like to me he was an honorary linebacker in the game. <laughs> I know he's not one, but he was playing like one very close to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, pretty much. He was a linebacker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was a linebacker on yesterday. But Desmond, what popped off for me is just his instincts. That's really what jumped off. You talk about being that nickel, right? You have to you have to fit the run if you're going to play mm -hmm. nickel and you're tasked with covering some of the best receivers as well. Desmond, he did a really good job of both, right? Tried to mix it up, blitzing him a little bit, and he did a really good job of timing up his blitzes, manipulating his looks when he wasn't blitzing. So he played the game really well, right? And that's where you, that's where you see that veteran presence just take over, right? Sometimes I didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah. <laughs> he was all over, moving around, disguising his looks, doing a really nice job for us. Coach, on the offensive side, you tell receivers no block, no rock. You're not going to run block. You're not going to get the ball in receiving game. On the defense, if you don't stop the run, you don't get your opportunities to go rush the quarterback. I don't want to say we buried the lead in some sense, but yet seven sacks. It's the second most all tied for second most all time in Texans history. And you got them in third and longer situations because you were so good against the run. It wasn't a lot of third and threes and third and twos. You were third and nine or or beyond. And that gave your guys an opportunity to go hunt with the pass rush. What was really working for them up front? Because you didn't bring that I remember five or more often. It was just those four guys right. getting to work. Yeah, that was the key, man. When you win first and second down, like the D-line, I always say you earn the right to rush yep. the passer, and they earned it by they were creating so much penetration, they were making tackles for loss. So now we're in second and 12 situations, right. and now we get a stop, and now you look up, it's third and 15, third and nine, and now – you know, now it's all about the rushing coverage. Now they have to try to throw a deeper developing yep. concept. And our safeties and our corners did a really nice job of pattern matching, right, all of the concepts that they had. And it just made Levis hold on to the ball a little right. bit longer. And the D-line were able to come through with some wins. And on some of the sacks, right, you just Malik, all right, Derrick Barnett, they, they just beat their one-on-one. -on -one. Right. As quick as you can beat a one-on-one, they beat their one-on-one, -on -one and they were able to get the quarterback down. I think Derek tackled Levis with the tackle. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I think Jerry was tackling him from the other side with the tackle. All right, so the way the defense played after that opening drive by the Titans coach when they scored, after that, did you feel like, all right, we really do have something? And did that affect your decision-making as late in the half, you don't go for it on fourth and one, say, let's kick the field goal because we're going to be okay defensively. Was that part of the thought process there? What can you tell us? Oh, for sure. I, f I feel good about it. After our first drive, and we did a couple bonehead things there on the first drive to allow them to get down there, I Want to eliminate that on the first drive of games? We have to play better. But once we settled in, I did feel like, okay, our guys are playing fast. Like mm. they are, they're on it. They're confident, and I, I felt that. And knowing that, I felt like, man, they they can't move the ball on us. The only way they can get something on us is if we do something to allow a cheap explosive in the back end. But the coverage was tight. The safeties were playing true. Nobody was biting on so we were we were good. And Petrie thought it was one of his best games he's had, yep. right? Couple pass breakups. Uh he's just he played really sound football. All right, and that gave me the confidence and okay, hey, let's just take three here at the end of the half. We don't need to press it. Let's just get points, keep getting points, and at some point, you know, we get in the red zone, we'll be able to score. Coach, when did you feel like case kind of got comfortable? 
in the game. I mean, it's 13 nothing, and we're kind of like, man, do we have two scores in us today? But it felt like at some point he got more comfortable in what he was doing and obviously got to the fourth quarter and then made a ton of plays. When did you kind of feel like Case was finding his groove? Yeah, I felt I feel that drive, you know, right before going into half. I felt mm-hmm. like that was, okay, we got some momentum. Yeah. We started to move the ball. So I, I felt that kind of felt him start to settle in there, uh, move around a little bit, so I'm step up in the pocket, right, move around a little bit and make some throws. So yeah, at that point, going into the half, I'm like, okay, now we just got to get them the ball yeah. back and just make sure – defensively, I was pleading with our guys to kind of let's let's take the ball, right? Yep. We take the ball, take the ball to give our offense a short field. But uh, and, but our offense, they moved it enough, right? Kaimi did a really nice job of making the kicks when he yep. needed to make them to keep us in the game. And when we needed it most, we had a drive going down, and we scored with Kay stepping up in the pocket to throw the ball to Noah. Yep. I think I'm personally writing Park Avenue in New York to say that Fairbairn should be AFC Special Teams Player of the Week after that performance. (laughs) But the play of the game, there's so many plays in the game because any one of them could have turned this game. But Keenum able to run out to the right side, roll to the right, and hit Motor on the pass play to get you to field goal range and the adjustment that Motor made in the pattern. Can you talk about that one a little bit? Right. That's a play there where Motor is really, he's stepping up through the line, and typically you just have a check down where you're you're checking over the ball. It's not there. You just go flat. to the. You just go lateral to the sideline. But you see Motor make the adjustment, and he – makes that angle more of a 45-degree angle toward the sideline where he is a runaway angle from that defender. And Case does a really nice job of adjusting the trajectory of the throw, drops it right over the defender. And Motor, I just look up, it's like, oh, right, nobody's out there. Like, <laughs> go, go, go. It's like then once he crossed midfield – I think once he crossed the 50, I'm like, yeah, we're in Amy's range. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Close it up. We, we were all thinking that same thing yeah. because – I don't want to say this because I mean, minute 49, we've done some stuff this year, but the way the pre the previous drive, I think we yes. lost 21 yards on three sacks. <laughs> yeah. So we're like, okay, when he made that happen, like, is there a chance here? I mean, it's Emi kicking like, okay, we got a shot. I want to stick with motor for a second coach, because it feels like in some of the biggest games this year, he's really given you a, a real jolt. I mean, in Cincinnati he goes for 150 yards. Right. I mean, yesterday he was running, that's the best I've seen him run. I mean, the touchdown run that gets called back. I mean, I think every Titan hit him, and he's just all the way through it and gets to the end zone. What, in your eyes, has Motor meant to the offense since he's really kind of stepped into the void? Yeah, man, he's he's been everything. If we can get when we get the run game going, like you mentioned, of Cincinnati, right, or Jacksonville, we get the run game going, and some of our our best wins this year. That's what we've been able to do yeah. is run the ball. And, you know, Motor has, has made a ton of plays for us. And I think our O-line, they blocked it really great yesterday, right, and created those lanes for him. But Motor is a slippery runner, really great contact balance, and he he's always finishing forward. Yeah. That's one thing I really like about him, playing behind his pads. And he's just – he's a one of those guys you can just count on, right, yeah. very reliable in the moment, you know – does a good job protecting the football. You know he's going to gain positive yardage every time he yeah. touches. Another thing we talked about a week ago was the Titans uniforms, meaning the Oilers uniforms. <laughs> you had a bit of a reaction to that last week. Yeah. So how did that play out, that part of it, in your mind, when you saw the stadium decked out that way? Did it affect the players at all? Are they too young? How would you see it, Coach? I, said, I think the players are too young to really, yeah. to really truly understand. And for me, I – 
I really didn't understand. My wife is giving me this <laughs> the history She's lesson. Giving me this history lesson. Hey, listen, there's hey, no more important person years. to give yeah. you that lesson. So she gave me the lesson on that's mm. our colors. That's yeah. our love you blue. That's ours. So she was giving me the lesson, and then that that made me understand in a moment, like, yeah. okay, this means a lot to the native Houstonians, right? And it, it, it felt very weird being here in Tennessee State. Mm -hmm. They got the Oilers logo, yeah. all of the Oilers uh, wardrobe. It's just it just felt really weird. Mm -hmm. My man Vrabel out with the with the hat, the bum fill of the <laughs> hat on. I saw walk across like, and shake your hand with the hat. I thought, man, it's like, hey man, it's, it's a little a little too much. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm very happy that we were able to get that win for all the Houstonians, right? That feel a type of way yep. about that Houston blue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so I'm happy that we were able to, you know, give you some some bragging rights over the over the Oilers, Titans, who are with whatever <laughs> they, they are. Be. <laughs> Coach, there were so many moments. I mean the you know, case hit motor um defensively, you know, you know, Steven's pick was was huge. What are you thinking when Case floats one up from the twenty yard line or so to Dalton Schultz in the middle of the field with just under five? You gotta score a touchdown. And he throws he throws one up there and there's Roger McCray saying, What are you thinking at that moment in time? Can you say it on the radio? Can you say those words on the radio? Like, oh no. I can no. I mean, it was you know, you don't we're doing a we're doing a a boot there, so we wanna throw the ball out to Hutch. Hutch is open, we miss him and he starts to move around. I was like, oh, no, not in the middle of the field. You don't throw yeah. the ball up in the middle of the field. But Dalton, he comes through and yeah. just saves the day and by taking the ball from the defender. Right, just shows that it was, <laughs> it was a dicey play, right? No mm -hmm. case wants that play back, but – you don't want to make that throw. One of the things that you said last week that stood with that stayed with me is you said playmakers need to make plays. Yeah. And it feels like that was one of those opportunities. Like Dalton Schultz is one of our playmakers. He's got to go make a play. Yeah. And a little dicey, but he went and made a play. <laughs> a little dicey. Don't want him to make plays that way. But that is what we talk about, right? You playmakers, your best players have to play their best. Yeah. And that was Dalton stepping up and making that making that catch for us. That's Noah stepping up and making big catches for us all day, right? And that's what you have to have. Motor, one of our best players, making plays. And when you have that, you have an opportunity to win the game. Yeah. All right, so now you have another situation where you're coming off a big emotional win and perhaps the biggest and most emotional of the season. We don't have to weigh it right now, but you face an opponent Sunday that's really good, especially on defense. They're hot right now. They're finding all sorts of ways to win football games. What do you think of the Cleveland Browns from where you sit right now, Coach? Yeah, it's almost like we're the same team. Yeah. <laughs> They're dealing with uh, you know a lot of a lot of injuries. Guys are in and out, right? They lost their quarterback, so it's you know it's kind of you're in the same boat, right? I mean, it's all about that next man up mentality. Or man, let's go win these games as a team in Cleveland. They're finding ways to win, mm -hmm. um, and the same goes for us. We're all finding ways to win. So I think this is going to be a very evenly matched game. All right, and really, they play really good defense. We play really good defense. Yeah. So it's just going to be a matter of, for me, which defense plays the best. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, this Sunday, that's going to be the tale of this game, right? We can take the ball away. You no, know, they have Flacco, who's a ton of experience, has made a lot of plays, won Super Bowls, right? And he's done a good job for them over the past couple of weeks. So we have to find a way, all right, to make it muddy, 
for Flacco, right? And we have to stop the run game. I know they've lost a lot of offensive linemen, but they still, they're a good run team. So we have to stop the run. I think the Bears did a good job of that yesterday, stopping the run. We have to start there and force Flacco to beat us throwing the football. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Big thanks to Miko, to Mark, to Drew, to Juice Scruggs, Stephen Adagokay, uh, everybody else that was involved in tonight's show. Charles Davis did a great segment with Drew. And I appreciate you guys listening. We got a big one on Sunday. Being there early. I know it's Christmas Eve. I get it. It's the holidays. Win a game. Celebrate that night. Celebrate tomorrow, the next day, whatever it takes. But get in there and uh, get these guys going. They're going to need it. There's no doubt. This is a big one. Cleveland 9-5. Texas 8-6. A win ties them at 9-6. But it gives the Texans the tiebreaker. And you want as many tiebreakers as possible at this time of the year. There's no doubt. Appreciate you guys. As always. We'll see you on Sunday. And as always, go Texans.